Hello, Brett here. I just wanted to have a little bit of a disclaimer to start the show. We uh, we recorded this on a Sunday uh, morning, um, and we uh, we talk heavily about Max Pacioretty getting traded. We also talk about Panarin and Sagan. Um, but Max Pacioretty got traded to the Golden Knights um, at, at 1 a.m. on Monday. Um, we're going to talk a bit about them on Wednesday, probably. Um, we'll talk about it again sometimes. But just wanted to let you guys know that we um, the Jinx got us again. Um, yeah, so uh, on with the show. Keep that in mind. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. We are back to the once-a-week format. we got lots to talk about on the show, but first we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? I am ready, yes. All right, question 25 is where we are going here. Uh, I think it's been a while since Brett has got one right, so... Let's see. Yeah, if I, don't, can I hardly this ever one. get these right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've gotten three or four right in this whole book, but maybe yeah, today's your day. Here we go. The Conn Smythe Trophy was donated by Maple Leaf Gardens in 1964 to honor the Toronto coach, manager, owner, and founder, awarded annually to the NHL's most valuable player in the playoffs, actually won it. Only one. Dave Keon, that's option A. Option B is two, George Armstrong and Johnny Bauer. Wait, can you, sorry, sorry, hold on. Can you uh, uh, repeat the the last uh, part of that question? Okay, so we all know Con Smythe, uh, former Maple Leaf legend. Yeah. uh, That was donated in 1964. Award annually playoff MVP. How many Leafs have won it? Oh, how many Leafs? How okay. many Maple Leafs? Got it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, so option A, Dave Keon, only one. Option B, two players, George Armstrong, Johnny Bauer. C, three players, Dave Keon, George Armstrong, and Johnny Bauer. Or D, no Maple Leaf has ever won the Conn Smythe. Um... I don't think it's D because the Maple Leafs have won. Yeah, uh, the Stanley they have Cup. won Stanley Cups before. Yeah, um, they are on a drought, but that doesn't mean they haven't won it yet. Um, I'm trying to trying to think if. Uh, and I, I will remind you, 1964 is when it was donated, so this hasn't been around for. As right. as many years as the Leafs have been around, and then they famously won it in '67. Um, so I, it's, I just have to think if they won it three times, two times, or one time within that span of those three years, um, or f- four years. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to say two. Uh, two uh, there are two Leafs players who've won the Conn Smythe. Two Leafs players, but it was only one. Uh. It was Dave Keon. The last year they won it in 1967. That's the only Leaf that has ever won the Conn Smythe. I thought they won because, it. Uh, I, I remember vividly he was, he was the last Leaf to win it. You remember vividly when you were alive? Well, I, I remember vividly through a Leafs documentary. I had a Leafs documentary when uh, I was a kid, even though I despise them because I'm a fan of hockey history, not because I actually cheer for them. I just uh, love hockey history, and that's no, I mean, that's how I know that Dave Keon was the answer. But I, I'm not sure. Did they win it in 64? I think they might have. That's why I thought, I thought it was two because I, th- I thought they at least won it in like 64 or 65. Yeah, so, so that's why two players wasn't a bad guess, actually. Yeah. But no, no, only gave Keon. So. Um, no, no, I was, I was more commenting on the fact that you made it seem like you were alive in 67. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And neither of us were alive with the Leafs won the Cup. No, no, you weren't even <laughs> close to being alive. Um, the, uh, okay, so anyways, um, so it's actually, this is a good segue because the Leafs got Tavares this, uh, this, uh, you know, this off season, um, and it kind of has changed the whole dynamic of how teams deal with their upcoming free agents, because what the Islanders did was they were like, all right, don't worry about it. Tavares is going to be the Islanders. You know, like, look at Stamkos. He signed last second, and that's what everyone really thought um, until uh, it was the last second, and Tavares is like, you know what? The Islanders aren't that good. Let's go to the – I'm going to go to the Leafs here because well, they have a better less, chance. it's more or less the Islanders weren't good. It's more like, I love you guys, but the Leafs look better. That's, yeah, I mean, so anyways, it's, but anyways, I feel like there's more pressure. My point is, is that I feel like it has changed the game um, Mm -hmm. in terms of how teams deal with their upcoming free agents. So Yeah, you uh, don't want to be the next New York Islanders. Exactly. You don't want to lose a start. So, like, it's it's okay if you trade these players because, you know, you can get something out of them. Yeah. Um, but like, don't do what the Islanders did and just wait until, uh, to wait until the last second, hoping that you can sign him when you know that he's probably not going to do that. So, um, so that's, that's where, um, so this is a good set. So we have about three players not named Eric Carlson cause he's another one. Uh, cause we talk a ton about Eric Carlson. Um, but, uh, there's three who are. Now starting to gain a ton of trade rumors here. I think we even did last year before the season. We did like a "Where is John Tavares going to go?" kind of thing. Uh, although in the back of my head, I was just like, uh, "He's not going anywhere. He's he's just going to the Islanders." But I was trying to you know heap up suspense and whatnot. But yeah. you know now it's like, well, actually it may happen. Um, I actually kind of remember back to that episode just thinking like, well, if he's go- if it's going to, like, it made sense that Stamkos would stay in Tampa because Tampa was a pretty good team even uh, before last season. Um, you know, it's just like it makes sense that he would want to stay there. 
for Tavares, it's like, oh, well, the Islanders don't have, they didn't really build around him, so it, it kind of made sense. Uh, so we have, anyways, we have three players. Um, Panarin, Max Pacioretty, and Tyler Sagan, who all in the last two weeks or so, uh, Panarin and Patches even more so, um, have kind of gained some trade interest. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are wondering, like, well, are they going to actually be traded? Um, so um, they're all extremely talented players. Um, and, uh, but we'll see if it's, if it's going to happen. So we'll start with Panarin. Um, first off, it seems, uh, so there is a lot of reports that, uh, Panarin, um, he's going to be a UFA next year. Um, and it, it seems like he is unhappy with the reports that he wanted to, he doesn't want to, like, he doesn't really like, um, Columbus. Um, apparently, he wants to, uh, reportedly he wants to be near, live near a body of water, and he wants to go to a big city. Um, even Aaron Portsline um, says that he wants to go to the Rangers, which is kind of a strange move because considering they are rebuilding. Um, but uh, but anyways, Kekalainen, the uh, GM who just got his contract extension, I should mention, um, had this to say about the, the Panarin and Bobrovsky, who's also going to be a UFA next year, too. Um, I think we have to m- make some decisions based on where it goes at the appropriate time. If we can't work out a contract, then we'll have to make some decisions. I wouldn't say they're just going to stay and ride out into the sunset. We're, uh, where we're at, where we're at with our team, we have to make some decisions, and we're hopeful we can get contracts done. If not, we'll have to make some decisions. Um, so it kind of that kind of makes it sound hopeful um, in that regard. It's like, what else is Kekalainen going to say? It's like trade these people. They're just they're just um, you know they're just spoiled or whatever, but. Um, so it makes sense that he would say, like, this would be his statement, kind of, to say it. Um, Bobrovsky is not getting moved. We should, I should just say that out loud. Bobrovsky is no way getting traded. Um, nothing to suggest that he couldn't. But all this stuff, like, it's like, when there's smoke, there's fire for Panarin. Is like, if there's all these reports that Panarin might want, is unhappy, and all this stuff, like, that he wants to go to the Rangers. Um, he'd rather go to the Rangers than try to win a Stanley Cup in Columbus. It doesn't make sense to me, really. So, um, so yeah, what, what do you take? Let's start with Panarin. What, do you, what, what is your take on all this? Steve? I mentioned it. Oh. You mentioned it already with Panarin. Um that this is a personal preference. This has nothing to do with the team. This has nothing to do with the coach. It has nothing to do with management. It's strictly Columbus, I guess, isn't pretty enough for Artemi Panarin. And New York or Chicago or that kind of a market probably fits his needs better. And you know what? It's, It's odd to hear that kind of thing, but I was chatting with Colin Teske earlier in the summer, and we talked about this and how this would affect Bobrovsky. 
the Panarin situation doesn't affect Bobrovsky at all because this is a personal decision. It has nothing to do with what direction the team is headed. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with their playoff exit. It's just what Panarin prefers. So there's only so much in the Artemi Panarin contract negotiations that you can't control. If he doesn't want to be there and he wants to be elsewhere, then that's that's fine. That's Artemi Panarin's decision. He can go wherever he wants in free agency if he wants to. Um, the Rangers thing I really don't think makes sense because of the fact that they're rebuilding, similar to the, the Chicago Blackhawks. It's just like, yeah, it'd be great if they could get him, but yeah. – their prospect cupboard, they're just starting to get good again. Yep. Would you trade a guy like Adam Bjorkfist for Artemi Panarin right now? If I'm Chicago, I wouldn't. Would I well, trade either Anderson or Philip Schleidel of, of the Rangers so you can get Panarin? I wouldn't. Right. Because to be successful in the future, not just for another year or two before you probably regrettably go into the same rebuild position again. So Right. Well, I feel what, like what is that going to do? I feel like of the teams that this was actually going to be my agree to disagree, but whatever. Uh, we have a new <laughs> segment, by the way. Uh, but I feel like if you're, if 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 like let's say the Rangers get Panarin, or even if Chicago gets Panarin back, actually Chicago would be kind of funny getting Panarin back just because th- that's their thing. Really, they always get their former players. Um, but um, they got sawed back already from yeah. Columbus in the Panera deal. Well, that that was my point. They also got um, what's his name, uh, Kruger earlier on in the season. Yeah, that's right. He's another one. Um, but um, and Patrick Sharp also came back. So, anyways, uh, but I feel like of the rebuilding, like the teams that we know are rebuilding, I feel like the Rangers and the Blackhawks are the closest to actually. Like competing now, I'm not saying that either team will make the playoffs, but I think that they'll both like. I could see like you know, it, for like let's take the Rangers for example. I could see like Leas Anderson and Philip Heedle, as you mentioned, like kind of you know making an impact right away, um, and then you know, and then Kevin Shattenkirk's going to be healthy. Chris Kreider's healthy for a full year. Um, you know, Lundqvist, you don't really, like, he hasn't been himself for a while now, but you never know with him. They have a new coach here, so, you know, there's a lot of things to work for the Rangers there. Um, and then for the Blackhawks, it's like, well, you know, they, their season went, went down the drain once Crawford was injured. So if you have a, if you have a healthy Crawford and, DeBrincat was kind of underrated there, um, you know, and you know Patrick. Of course, you have Patrick Kane, so you can't count out a team without Pat, with Patrick Kane on it. So it's like it's tough to say that it's not going to, uh, you know, be a factor there. That like so if if either te- of those teams did end up getting Panarin, I feel like they're instantly like a contender. Um, I feel like the only way they should do that is if it's during the off season, if they don't have to yeah. give up anybody, if they have to give up anybody, forget it. I'm not right. Right. My, my point is more that like, I could see from that perspective. It's like, yeah. if, if, if the Rangers feel like they're actually ready to compete again, 
then they make this move to get Panarin. But they, they don't, like, trade their, their top prospects just to get Panarin. Um, but, uh, but anyways, just back to this, yeah, you're right. There is this aspect of, like, Columbus, um, you know, is not, you know, he just doesn't like Columbus, which, I mean, I guess it makes some sense, because when you get treated, like, he didn't really have a choice when he was treated there last season, and he won't have a choice again this year because he has a no-move clause. Right. He doesn't have a no-move clause. He can be treated anywhere. True. So so there isn't, like, um, so it's not like he has to. I assume in his next contract he's going to have a no-trade clause, um, but uh, to wherever he goes. Um, but I would imagine it would be... Um, I don't know. I, I guess it, I guess it is right that it just seems weird to me that like he'd rather go to a like a it's like more about location rather than the actual team because I feel like yeah. you know like why even play hockey at all? Like I understand if you're like Columbus. I don't think Columbus is that bad, is it? Like it's not. I don't no, know. like it, right? they made the playoffs in three of Kekalainen's five yeah. seasons. They finished in the top five. In 2016, 2017, right. they haven't made it out of the first round, but it's not like they're sucking. Right, like it's it's oh, actually, this is kind of a good good thing to bring up because that's what uh, Jack Johnson was saying. It's like he 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 wanted to go to Pittsburgh because they have a winning culture, which was silly because like the Blue Jackets are were are one of the best teams um, in the league for the past like three years, so. And then you also have, like, a budding uh, center in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, Sonny Milano could be something. They also have Vitaly Abramov in their system uh, who could be something. So it's like they're they're kind of, like, up and coming. You know, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski could be something, too. So um, they they look like they're going to be, like, top ten defensemen um, in in years to come. So... Cam Atkinson's another guy. So it's so in that sense, I feel like if, if Panarin wants to win a cup, he should stay in Columbus or, you know, maybe sign to another team that could give him a better shot. It's not like Columbus is the best uh, spot for him in that sense. But um, if he want, but like, it's just, it's just strange to me that he wants to go to the Rangers. Um, I, I get the bright lights, spotlight kind of thing would appeal to him it just it just feels like uh the the team aspect would be the bigger sway of things um i don't know um yeah i don't know if you have any more to say on it i feel well i see the the thing with this situation too is like i said before the unrestricted free agency class of 2019 looks very strong mark stone is a free agent matt duchene is a free agent joe pavelski is a free agent jordan eberle jeff skinner wayne simmons who maybe is expendable after the flyers got jvr he's available too there are a lot of guys that columbus could sell with their success hey come to columbus you know, yeah. for, forget the Panarin stuff. We still have a good team. Right. But so even, but even. It's, it's not like losing Panarin would be the end of the world. Losing it would LeBron be, though. would be the end of the world because they got nobody. I, in my opinion, they have nobody to but, step in 
in their system, in the open market, that is as good as Bobrovsky because he's one of the best in the league. Well, yeah, no, I agree with that on Bobrovsky. But I do think it would, like, the Blue Jackets would hurt if they ended up losing Panarin. Because, like, Eberle, I like Everly, I like Simmons, but they're nowhere near as talented as Panarin is. Yeah, um, so, no, no question, yeah. And uh, not to take anything away from those two players that you mentioned. And it's also like, I feel like the Blue Jackets, for years before this trade, for you know, before this Panarin to sad trade, um, they've been wanting this like winger or this like elite scorer on their team, and they finally get it. And then all of a sudden, Panarin's just like, you know what? I don't like Columbus. I, I want to go. So, so that's that's the more frustrating part where it's like, it is almost the end of the world when you put it to that way. Because then, like, like I, you know, because then you're thinking like. If you're a Columbus fan, you're like thinking like, well, no star player wants to be in Columbus because of Panarin. Panarin just doesn't want to be in Columbus, and that's the that's the kind of that's just kind of the sad part of this whole thing. Um, if yeah, but it, know, it, that's why it's also important that they keep Bobrovsky because Bobrovsky is a star player like Panarin is at yeah. his position. If Bobrovsky stays, it's basically like, okay, our Timmy Panarin left. That sucked. But I'm still here. I'm ready to win here. Let's go do it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I'm just I'm just saying that, like, Bobrovsky is definitely important to their team. But they're, like, they're not a contender if they don't have Panarin on their team. Well, that's true, but I could also say the same thing about Bobrovsky. And, oh, no, and, of course. And, I'm not saying that, but I, I'm just saying that Panarin would saying, hurt them. Yeah, Bobrovsky, though, is a situation, like I said, where yeah. the climate that Panarin is talking about, Columbus doesn't have. You can't change the weather to make it more appealing to him. Oh, no, no, I know. I, you, can't, I, you, can't, you, can't, you can't change the environment of where, okay. where he lives. Like, what Panarin is asking for, Columbus might not be able to give him. Right. Because they're in Columbus and not in New York or Chicago. But I, I'm just saying that that's just sad that he's just focused more on the city aspect of it than the actual. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. Also, apparently his girlfriend is a model and wants, uh, like, I think that has another factor to it where there's more opportunities yeah. if he were to go to New York or Chicago. Um, in that sense, I guess I can kind of understand it, but it's still, it's just a little odd that, I don't know. I I, I guess it, 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 I'm just not a pro athlete, so maybe that's that has something to do with it's it. It's not It's not like Columbus is driving him out of town right. or anything like that, or if they pissed him that, off or yeah, anything Yeah, like that. That, that's, where, that's where I get like a little weirded up. I, it's just, it's like, it's one thing if it's not like an Eric Carlson situation or patches as we'll, we're about to talk about yeah. where it's like the the management's just screwing up where yeah, it's, it's like it seems like they're doing everything they can yeah. to send a message like yeah we're ready to move on without you. Right, whereas the the Blue Jackets are just like where Panarin's just like, you know what? I don't like Columbus even though they have a good team. <laughs> so that's that's where it's just like all right, whatever. Speaking of Montreal and patches uh, that um, we should go here. Uh, so Patches uh, apparently uh, 
through his agent or his agent has been kind of mentioning throughout uh, a lot of people and uh, saying publicly that um, Patches will not discuss, or Patchetti will not discuss uh, an extension with the Habs or any team once the season begins. Um, so, um, and also apparently Patches and Druen have the same agent, um, but, uh, Patches does not have a no trade clause, much like Panarin doesn't have one either. Um, but this is kind of like getting some steam now, because it seems like Pacioretty could be on the move. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't be, uh... It wouldn't be uh, crazy to to think that Bergevin um, would be willing to trade uh, Pacioretty like this because you know he does he did the same thing for PK Subban, um, did the same thing for Galchenyuk. Um, it appears that Pacioretty is unhappy with the organization. It appears that, you know, the Canadians are kind of doing a little bit of a rebuild. Um, so maybe Patches doesn't want to necessarily be a part of that. Um, and so, I don't know. And then also this factor that um, now it's big news that Pacioretty and Druen have now have the same agent, which is kind of interesting, which makes it seem like maybe Pacioretty isn't, unhappy and is willing to stay in Montreal um, if he has the same agent as a teammate of his. Um, but um, And not only that, a guy that uh, Bergevin himself traded for and gave up Mikhail Sergachev for. Right. Yeah, although Jonathan Drouin famously held out and refused to play for the, his AHL team because he wanted to yeah. be traded out of Tampa so badly. But um, so, so there is like, but like that could be a lot of, a lot to do with his agent. So maybe that has something to do with it. But, um, so I don't know. I, I, I think this is one of those things where I wouldn't be surprised if Pacioretty gets traded, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. So taking a look at, uh, what, is going on here. Um, Alan Walsh is the agent of Max Pacioretty and yeah. now recently Jonathan Druin. Uh, he claims that two well-respected journalists told him that they were personally contacted by members of the Habs asking them to run a story that Patches asked for a trade. Walsh maintains that Pacioretty never requested a trade and would prefer to stay in Montreal. Patches confirmed on local radio he wants to stay in La Belle Provence. He didn't ask for a way out. And um, I'm just going to read you some of Alan Walsh's tweets. Max Pacioretty has stated repeatedly that he loves Montreal and wants to remain in Montreal. To this date, he's never received any offer from them. You can have three sources or ten sources, but how many times does Max have to state that he wants to remain in Montreal long term? Obvious these sources are coming from the Canadians. Max will always take the high road and repeats again that he is ready to sign an extension with Montreal today. It was Montreal that traded Max to Los Angeles at the NHL draft, and it was a done deal subject to Max signing an extension with L.A., which, of course, didn't happen. So um, there's that. And then on top of that, 
Lars Eller, former Habs player, still plays in the NHL, just won a Stanley Cup. He tweets this. As a first... He has shouldered one of the toughest jobs in hockey, wearing the C for the CH, taking responsibility and blame for things beyond his control, at the same time being one of the top goal scorers in the game. He is as committed and cares as much as anyone I've ever played with. Any team would be lucky to have him. And another former Canadian, Craig Reve, replied to that tweet, adding he loves how Patches is respecting the process. So all of this being said, when you got a bunch of people getting on Patch Ready, uh, get, getting behind him, it basically makes the Habs organization look even worse. And with Max Patch Ready, even though he doesn't have a no trade, he says, look, I'm not going to negotiate with any team, not the Habs, not any of the other 30 teams during the season. That's basically Montreal's window of opportunity. If they don't get him signed by opening night, then the next chance they have to sign him is before he hits the open market during the offseason. And if they really want him gone, he will be traded before the trade deadline. So this is in my opinion, excellent leverage by Max Pacioretty. Even though he doesn't have a no-move clause, he's basically giving them a deadline saying, okay, I'm, uh, you've got until this date to organize a contract extension with me if you really want me. Um, and if you can't, well, well, then I'm not talking until the offseason. Right. So the Habs, will, the Habs will probably lose him for nothing if they don't want to re-sign him, if they don't trade him before the deadline. So this is an interesting strategy. But even... I think it's too little too late because I think things have been soured to the point where you wonder if the organization believes in you, even if you sign a contract extension with them, it's just basically giving them an extra amount of time to trade you for more assets that could actually help them in the long run. So um, I think maybe for patches for the Habs, it's best to part ways now because if they don't part ways now, I think they're just basically shelving it for a couple of years, and um, and then he probably gets moved anyways. Um, I it, I think it's abundantly clear to me that the organization doesn't want Patrick as their captain. They don't want him on this team, and a fresh start would be probably best for both sides. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. It's it's always weird whenever I talk about the Habs because it's like, I kind of want them to screw this up, but at the same time, it's like, it's just sad because it's like, I don't know. Um, it's helping me distract from how much of a mess the Saints yeah. are, though. Yeah, I will say, it. as a Bruins fan, I do take some pleasure that both the Senators and the, the and particularly the Canadians, are not... Um, doing well. Um, but the, I don't know. I, I think it is tough to say cause I feel like if I wouldn't, if I were the Habs, I'm trying to picture myself in Bergevin's shoes here. And I feel like, I feel like it makes sense to start rebuilding but at the same time, like, you have Carey Price, and he's not getting any younger. Um, and you don't really have a center. 
Um, and Patches is by far your best winger option, other than I, well, not by far. I guess Gallagher is close. Um, so well, Gallagher got uh, thirty goals last yeah. year, and Patches barely could buy one. And Druen is also there too, so, and Domi maybe could be something. So you have like some like you have definite question marks in those three guys because Gallagher is kind of inconsistent, but he's still pretty good and underrated. Um, and then you have, you don't know what to make of Domi because he's been inconsistent. Same can be said for Druen. Um, so, but like if you have a, you know, their defense needs help. They don't have a true center. So I feel like if you're going to trade patches, I, I can understand it if you're rebuilding. Um, but you have to get a center back. Or you have to get a top a top pairing defenseman. Uh, those are the only two, like because those are the, by far their best, their biggest need. Um, so I feel like that's where it would make sense to do yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I think that's the only way, yeah. like you said, Patches gets traded because yeah, last year was a bad year. He didn't even get forty points, but. If you look at what he did prior to last year, he scored 30-plus goals and 60-plus points in four straight campaigns. He had done that in five of the previous six years. And and to be fair, last year everything went wrong for Montreal. It wasn't just Patches out of right. there. It was pretty much everybody. And all of that pressure pretty much every single year was squarely on Patch Ready to score. Right. Top goal scorer. So you have to get the assets you want for Pacioretty. Or yep. as close to that type of return as you can get. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. Um, it's, it's, I, I think also on top of that, like all of these years where they've had Carey Price and, and Max Pacioretty scoring 30 goals, the fact they don't have a number one center is not Max Pacioretty's fault. Max Pacioretty is doing the best with whatever hand he's been dealt. Same with Carey Price. This is on Mark Bergevin right here. Yep. No, and right. I, I, I think I, I, I think the Habs management they can you know point fingers all they want. They can they can move forward all they want, but. When they look back and and they realize how many chances they had to win the Stanley Cup, maybe if they had that number one center, um, maybe things would have been different. Um, And they got nobody to blame but themselves. They could not get a number one center that's squarely on them. And now they're in the position that they're in where they're probably going to be trading their captain. And if you want to go full rebuild – they're going to have to trade Carey Price. Yep. And the problem with that is his contract is so big. Yep. I don't think they can even trade it. Not to mention his injury uh, uh, issues that uh, teams are going to be worried about too. So, um, Or it's going to lower his value, I should say. But yeah, no, you're right. If they're going to rebuild, I don't think you can trade Carey Price that easily. And patches would make the most sense because you, you could get the biggest return in that regard. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I feel like Bergevin is the type of player, uh, the type of GM, to be like stubborn in that sense. So I don't think he's or like they the Habs would be killed if they just like flat out said like, "Hey, 
we're giving up uh, the next couple of seasons because we're rebuilding. We we need to retool, which is what they should, I guess, is what they should be doing. But I don't think they'll ever actually admit that that's what they should be doing. Um, if I'm Mark Bergevin, I'm kind of trying. I, I think uh, the pressure is even more so on Mark Bergevin because this could be his final chance to save his job. Right. If he doesn't get full value for Patch Ready, he's done. Yep. Because he's made so many trades that everyone's thinking, okay, maybe this will help, and it and it really hasn't helped them immediately. He needs to hit a home run on this. And I the question is, can he? I don't know if he can. Yeah, that that's that's that becomes the question then. Um let's go to our last person to talk about it's uh Sagan. So this was kind of a big uh, trade rumors kind of uh, spread last week, but they've kind of cooled off a bit this week. I mean, they, I mean, I guess throughout the whole offseason, people haven't really thought that Sagan's going to get traded because the Stars would be stupid uh, to trade him. Um, they, they got lucky because the Bruins were stupid to trade him. Um, so... Anyways, but uh, last week, Sagan told the media that he was disappointed there hadn't been contract talks, and I guess that is a good way to communicate to the management that, oh yeah, we should probably have some contract talks with Sagan, because it looks like that's what happened uh, this Thursday, or last, th- I guess, when you're listening to this, last Thursday, or th- I guess this past Thursday. A few days ago. Right, right. It was on a Thursday. Um, uh, they had a meeting where they talked, um, and Sagan said that I envision hopefully having something done. Um, they've been talking now. My agent has been talking to the team. Hopefully something will get done before camp. Um, so this is more of a pipe dream for me. I wish the Bruins could get Sagan back. Um, I feel like now with Claude Julian out the door, Chirelli out the door, um, cause those were his two biggest issues when he was back on the Bruins. Um, you know, uh, Krejci is kind of, um, I love Krejci, but, uh, that was a mistake to, uh, trade Sagan cause Sagan is a better center than Krejci is right now. Um, so I wish, like, I don't know, having Sagan on our second line would be, uh, phenomenal. I know Krejci apparently is upset about uh, uh, the Bruins trying to go for Tavares. Um, but uh, uh, I think if we can get Sagan back, that would be great. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Um, yeah, I'm of, of the three that players that we talked about, I think Sagan is the least likely he's going to be traded. Um, however, with this yeah. whole Tavares stuff, I'm like, well, maybe it's going to happen. Um, but like the star, like, I don't think the stars have the same issues as the Islanders do, um, in a sense that like, like, well, I mean, both the, both the Islanders and the stars weak spot is their goaltending and their defense. But for the stars, they have Heiskanen and, uh, Klingberg who, you know, uh, you have Heiskanen coming in and then you have Klingberg coming in. Or you know, being already pretty pretty good, um, so you have that on the the back end of things, 
And Bishop was just injured a lot last season. But he's a serviceable goalie there, whereas the Islanders didn't even have that. So, and, and, um, when, and when Bishop yeah. was hurt last year, that's kind of where things started to fall off the rails and the Spurs missed the playoffs. Yeah. So when he's healthy and when he's producing, this right. team is, is a threat. Exactly. So, uh, so I feel like the Stars are in a better shape than the Islanders were last year. So I don't, and you know, not to mention that you also have Jamie Ben, Valerie Nachushkin could be something. Um, I mean, I guess their their forward depth needs some working on because it is really just Radulov, Ben, and Sagan. But that is still better than what the Islanders have. Um, so, so in that regard, I think the Stars um, would be stupid to uh, trade them. Um, I think also uh, Sagan is on the best contract in the league right now. Um, back in the day when Chirelli made an, uh, a contract with Sagan uh, to keep him here, he was only making $5 million for like five years. Um, and you know now he's worth way more than that. Um, so I'm looking here on the Stars Cap Friendly page. Spezza is going to be a free agent next year, so maybe that's where uh, they'll move uh, Sagan's money over. Cause, and Jamie Benn's making $9.5 million, where I feel like Sagan should be making about that much, maybe more. Um, so, so from a cap standpoint... There's that. I mean, I guess Radulov is making 6.2. Um, Mark Mathot is going to be a free agent next year. Um, and so is Roman Polak. Uh, so they're not doing too poorly on, in that regard because they can just take off both Spezza and Mathot, uh his contract and kind of like give Sagan more of a raise. But then you lose Spezza and Mathot. Um, which I guess the send two former sends, um, <laughs> but um, yeah. I don't know. I I think you could make the money work because Sagan is a twenty six. He's he hasn't even technically reached his prime yet because he's twenty six years old, um, which is I guess when he's twenty seven. That's when you really reach your prime, I suppose, um, and. And, he, you know, he's he's not even getting paid yet. So um, I think he will be worth a lot of money. Um, I know he's, he's, he's definitely in the top ten of centers. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I think the Stars would be stupid yeah. to trade him. Um, however, I could see maybe Jim Neal trying to, like, I don't know, being outsmarting everyone or something. But I don't know. Steve? Well, I, I, I think, for, first of all, uh, you talk about Jim Neal. Uh, he was asked by a media member over the phone about the Saiyan situation before, um, a few days ago, before Thursday when uh, talks picked up again. He, he was pretty moody. He wouldn't give much of an answer. So it's, I guess maybe that's the seed of doubt at the time of, you know, oh, maybe Tyler Sagan is getting traded. But if you look at what Tyler Sagan has brought to the table 
over the past five years, we and we're going to talk about Blake Wheeler being one of the best point producers over the past five years. But Tyler Sagan's right up there as well. Um, this guy hasn't missed a game over the past two years. Um, he's posted at least 70 points in five straight campaigns, at least 30 goals in four of the last five. Um, his first 40-goal campaign was last year. He's averaged at least 250 shots over the past five years, surpassing 300 in the last two campaigns. Double-digit power play goals in four of the last five years. And he's also getting better defensively. He improved by plus 27 from 2016-2017 to last year. And in the face-off, Dodd, he's been around 53 to 55% successful in three of the last four years. If Blake Wheeler gets that kind of a payday, how much is Tyler Sagan worth? How much is 384 points in his last 387 games? Pretty much. So he could easily get on the open market and get what he wants. Um, and a lot of teams are would love to have Tyler Sagan yeah. on their team. But as far as fit goes, I think the Stars are a perfect fit. If you yeah. look at uh, the Bruins, um, the whole talk about Tyler Sagan was, you know, is, is he taking things um, you know, on the low-key side? You know, there were times where his lifestyle, his partying habits were in the forefront and it was it was more vocalized through the media. Dallas is more of a low-key environment. Jamie Benn is the captain. Tyler Sagan doesn't have to worry about the media hoopla that he would have to worry about in Boston. Right. And I think that has allowed him partially to be as successful he has been over the past five years. Think it would make sense for the Stars and Sagan to come to a agreement on a contract extension, but of these three players, uh, we we talked about Artemi Panarin being so important to Columbus's offense. I would argue Tyler Sagan is just as important to the Stars' offense because if you look at their team right now, of course Jamie Ben's the leader, Alexander Radulov. I don't think putting the second-ranked scorer label on him is a good idea. I don't think he would do well under that kind of pressure. If Sagan leaves, that puts more pressure on Jamie Benn to produce. Right. Spetz's wear and tear has been a concern, not just this past year, but previous seasons. I don't think you're going to get much more out of Jason Spezza, um, especially when his contract expires. I don't think the Stars can keep up with any of the other teams in the Central Division, if Tyler so crucial that Tyler Sagan stays. Yeah, I yeah, I think it is very. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's very it's vital for uh, Sagan to stay uh, for the Stars. It's just like you know, I, I feel like Tavar. Like what happened with Tavares is just screwing with my mind now. It's just like. <laughs> Like, I, think, I think it's screwing with a lot of fan bases. Yeah, yeah. Like, cool. everything is telling me that it makes sense that Sagan and the Stars should be, um, you know, like, the Stars and the, and should sign Sagan. But, like, then there's a, the other side of me. It's just like, well, I don't know. Jim Neal may not be the best, you know, best GM who's thinking straight. 
So I don't know. It 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 is a, like there's always that hint of doubt where you're like oh, maybe not. Um, I did. I do know that like when he was traded from Boston, the main reason why I mean there's a couple reasons why, but um, like the media kind of blamed his like his partying um, and not taking hockey seriously. Um, but I feel like his trade, to, the trade to Dallas kind of just showed that, like, that was kind of a wake-up call for him, where he was like, oh, I got traded somehow, I should actually, you know, I'm going to be a center now. Um, and there was also, like, this aspect that uh, apparently Claude Julien did not like his defensive play, um, and they didn't like that they couldn't play him on, as a natural center. Um, that position, um, where like where they felt like Krejci and Bergeron, yeah, where they felt like Krejci and Bergeron were better natural centers than Sagan were, um, and they couldn't ne- necessarily rely on Sagan being a right winger, which is weird too because Brad Marchand, Bergeron and uh, Sagan were a phenomenal line together. Um, maybe I mean it's it is a little different now with Pasternak there instead. But it's like you know Sagan, um, you know that was that was the line back in the day. So um, so it's like all right, fine. He can't be a center, but he's a pretty good right winger. Um, so and, and Ken Hitchcock uh, mentioned that. Uh, how Tyler Sagan improved his defensive play. Uh, yeah. Um, I think it was like in February or March, some somewhere along those lines before right. things kind of fell off uh, the rails in Dallas. But Tyler Sagan was improving defensively. So, you know, there, there that maybe plants uh, a, a seed into the mind of Bruins fans that like, you know, maybe the second opportunity will be better for us. Right. That's why I'm hopeful. I doubt it's going to happen, though, so I'm, I'm not holding my breath. I should, I should yeah. mention that. Uh-huh. Um, all right, we should get going, though, because we're, we're now at 50 minutes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but just quickly, though, do you think any of these guys are going to be traded before this season? Before this season? Yeah. Um... In any rush to get rid of Patch Ready, I think he's still going to be on the team by opening night. But I think November, December, he's probably gone. Uh, Panarin, Panarin, I, I think it's going to be the same thing around November, December. If he get if he gets traded, it'll probably be then. Yeah. And uh, I think Sagan gets a new contract before opening night as well. Yeah, so I think I, I, I think we can all agree that Sagan's probably not going anywhere. Okay, I think Sagan's going to stay. I could, of the three, I think Penarin has the best shot of being traded. Um, maybe Pacioretty, but um, I feel like Bergevin is only due for one crazy trade uh, <laughs> offseason. So I, I think... One for one. Might yeah. as well make it a one for one. <laughs> exactly, it has to be a one for one. Um, the Maybe it's like a patches for Sagan trade. That'd be funny. <laughs> Um, the, uh, that would actually, if Sagan really were to mess with the Bruins, then if he was a Hab, I would, I would be so, so infuriated. Um, 
But yeah, I I think it could. I feel like Patches and Panarin um, are going to be a lot like a Matt Duchesne type situation where it's like, where it seems like, if, let's say Columbus or Montreal has a rough start to the season, then they make a trade. And if the trade, assuming a trade is there, then they make the trade and hope for the best kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Sagan is not going to trade. Um, yeah. Um, all right. I, I guess we, uh, whatever, this will be a long episode. Uh, we're going to do a new segment, uh, that we're trying out for now. Um, for the past couple of episodes, we've, we kind of joked around about how we always agree on stuff and we just agreed on, on three things just now. So we're going to do this segment where it's, it's called agree to disagree. Um, it's a great segment a title. Uh, so we each have a point where we're going to try to make the other person disagree or that we think the other person disagrees on. Um, it can't be anything we just talked about. So we can't just say like, well, I think that Sagan is going to be traded because we just talked about that. Um, it can't be something that we, uh, on that note, we also, it can't be something that we know the other doesn't truly believe. So, like, a good example of this would be, like, we can't say, like, McDavid isn't the best player right now because we know that's not true and we know the other person doesn't believe that. Um, so, in that sense, you have to state your re- reasons um, for why you think that. Um, do you want to go first? or I mean, I can go first if you want. Uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, so I was going to make a thing about the Rangers not being in the bottom ten, but I did say that um, at the beginning of the show. But I have another one. Um, I think that Vegas is going to miss the playoffs this year. Um, I, I think they are... Um, I don't want to say that they got lucky last season, but I do think they're, they were coming off of a high of like, well, you know, no one believed in us and they kind of like rallied around that, having that chip on their shoulder. And now I feel like teams are starting to understand it, um, or will start to understand it. Cause like, it seemed like the lat like, that Stanley Cup final, it seemed like the night, like the the Capitals sort of started to figure out the Knights, um, and I think it's gonna it's gonna take some time, but I think the Golden Knights are are actually gonna come down to earth. Um, I know it's a hot take, but it's I I think it's gonna I I I don't see the Golden Knights making the playoffs. Well. You know, I, I I look at how far the Sens fell from being one goal away from the Stanley right. Cup Finals to almost as bad as Buffalo in one year. So I guess you never know what can happen, but I, I, I think they're a capable playoff team if they can rally around an identity. I don't think the chip on the shoulder mentality is going to work though. I think they, they, they need to find a new mantra because they've already proven a lot to so many right. people in one season. Um, they, 
they kind of need to re- rekindle their identity, especially with some of the guys from that original team, like James Neal, like David Perron, that right. aren't back with the team this year. Um, so I, I think... You agree? Um, I'm on the fence. I'm on the uh, fence. I could see them doing well. I could see them doing bad. You can't. You can't be on the fence in this kind of segment. But whatever. I, th- I, th- I think. I think they will be a playoff team. I okay. think they will be a playoff team. Yes. So you disagree. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Somewhat disagree. Okay. Um, I actually am also on the fence too, but uh, I. <laughs> I, I'm going to take a stand, actually. I think the biggest is going to miss the playoffs. I could be wrong, but I'll be fine if I'm wrong. Uh, so what? What is your what is your opinion or point? All right. So the Boston Bruins better be careful when it comes to shopping for big-name players <clears throat> like Tyler Stegen, mm-hmm. especially with a UFA class as strong as the upcoming 2019 version. If they're not careful, they could go to the plate and destroy the fabric that they just built in one year, with a sign of that being David Krejci's dissatisfaction with the Tavares sweepstakes. And I'll delve into a bit more of that here. Here's what he told NBC Sports. Wait, that's not, wait what, what is your point? Okay, okay. So I, I'm getting to that. So here, here's what he said. I had no idea what was going on. My agent didn't tell me anything because he said he didn't know anything. I didn't get any phone calls from anyone on the Bruins, so I was just getting those Instagram messages telling me to request a trade in my inbox. I know that I have a no trade, so they would have to call me if they did end up signing Tavares. Yeah, that wasn't the kind of that wasn't kind of something I enjoyed, but it was over pretty quick. It was a quick couple of weeks. I understand that's the hockey business that you have to do whatever you have to do to make the hockey team better. Obviously, I don't want to go anywhere, but Don Sweeney is. what I've learned over the years. I love being here and I've got three years left. So for me, it was just about getting ready to be the best player I can be. I'm still young and feel like I have some of my best years in front of me. So getting all the good players in the league and making your team better is one thing, but on top of the Bruins being front runners for Tavares, not getting him, they went after Kolachuk lost out on him as well. During the trade deadline, they went out and got Rick Nash a few off-seasons ago, they got David back as via free agency. You have so many guys with a track record coming into the fold or trying to get lured into it and getting chances to make their mark. And while Krejci is still getting his, a part of me wonders how much longer he has if Sweeney makes a run after guys like Panarin or Patches or Simmons or Tyler Sagan. And I know that Krejci only got 44 points last year, but he only played in 64 games. That's... That's still pretty solid. That's a 50 to 60 points uh, per season kind of guy. For a second-line center behind Bergeron, that's pretty good. And I think if they sour the relationship with Krejci, you look at the players that are UFAs once Krejci's a UFA. Tuka Rask, Brad Marchand, David Backus. Rask and Marchand, besides Bergeron, are the guys that represent your present and future. You need those guys. If they stir a hornet's nest by stiff-arming someone like Krejci over and over, I don't like where this is going. Uh, so your point is is that you don't want them to get top-tier talent because it's going to upset David Krejci? Well, my point is, is that going after the big names 
might not be the best thing for the Bruins. I think the best thing for the Bruins is just give it some time, um, stick with the process for a couple of years, give your guys a chance to win. I okay. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to be the same. I'm going to take the same stance as you did for my take. Uh, I see what you're saying. I agree that, uh, like you know, having guys like Donato, Bjork, um, Tabrusk, um, Kynan, McAvoy. McAvoy. Well, I'm just I'm talking about wingers, but yeah, like McAvoy. Um, was also included. Pasternak's pretty young, too, even though he's not a prospect. Um, but, like, you know, and you also, not to mention, we have, like, a bunch of centers in the system. Um, in John, Jacob Forsbaka Fors, Carlson, um, you have uh, uh, Trent Frederick, um, and there's another one I'm missing. Oh, Jack Stanicka, who could be something. Um, so, so we do have a lot of prospects um, that could be NHL ready any sec, any minute now. But if you can get a guy like Tavares on your team, um, he's a much better replacement than David Krejci. Um, and you know it, that's just sour grades. If 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 he does if he doesn't want to be traded, whatever. But like. It, Tavares would make the Bruins like a team so much better. Same with Panarin. Panarin is like one of the best left wingers in the league. Um, I don't think like I I do agree that what has worked with the Bruins is the young talent, but it's just as easily that DeBrusque, Heinen, Donato could easily not be as good. So I think if you can have proven guys like Panarin or Pacioretty, or I mean, well, we're not getting Pacioretty, um, or like you know, like any of these top end free agents. Um, obviously, it depends on the return, but like it's not. I I, I feel like you should go for it and worry about Krejci's feelings later. Um, because, I mean, Krejci is a good center, don't get me wrong. I just, I feel like if you can find guys on the open market that can uh, help your team, do it. Um, but, like, it has, like, I wouldn't trade DeBrusque, I wouldn't trade Donato, I wouldn't even trade York. But, like, if if there is a guy out there um, that you, that can make the Bruins better and win now, then yes, do it. Um, so yeah, that, so I disagree. Okay, well, I guess I accomplished my mission then. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, you were just saying that the Bruins shouldn't get a top-end talent. Like, that that doesn't make sense. Like, you always want, like, would the... More so be careful, be, more so be careful of the top-end talent that you get. Well, you know... Because I, like, John Tim... I get John that. Tavares is, is one thing. I it, it's more like the Kovalchuk's and the Panarins, like like okay. John Tavares. Like everyone would be rushing over John Tavares. Kovalchuk, Kovalchuk. Like, like I can John understand. John Tavares is, in my opinion, 
I guess John Tavares was an exception, but it was before that when they got Kovalchuk as well. Kovalchuk. Like, just trying to get a big-name player in general. All right, Kovalchuk. Not, not just John Tavares, it was general big-name. Kovalchuk, I can understand. Panarin, I want, but it's not like the Bruins are really in the rumors yet. Um, yeah. And But, like, yeah, Tavares is, like, a, a different situation. Okay. That I can agree with. Yeah. But... But, and, like, I, I do understand your point in terms of, like, uh, like keeping the young core together and doing what's what's working. But I feel like if you, if there is a guy out there that is proven enough, do it. Um, yeah, go out and get it. Let I think it, the fact that chance. they also kind of, like, hit all the Tavares talk from Krejci, like, like yeah. the lack of transparency, the lack of communication, I think that's kind of why I kind of got behind Krejci as well, because, like, as an organization, I would think, you know, like, even just telling them, listen, we're trying to make our team better, we're going to make a pitch for Tavares, Uh, we'll we'll keep you in the loop and and seeing what happens, if you have any questions, just, um, you know, direct them our way, and we'll get to them as soon as we can. Right. No, I can understand that that Krejci would be Um, upset in that regard. It's a bit shady in my book, It's, it's a bit shady. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but like, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I feel like it's just like, I don't know. I, I, it's it's tough to deal with. when, when your team is like, when Tavares says like, oh yeah, I'm considering the Bruins, then you're like, all right, let let's see what we can do to do it. Like you yeah. try to make it because he's that elite of a talent to try to see if he can be the guy. Um, and yeah. you worry about feelings afterwards. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so let's do. Uh, so now we have a couple of rapid fire stuff. I think that was a fun segment. Um, yeah, we I both that. we both disagreed. Um, I I somehow knew you were going to mention some. You were going to give some critique about the Bruins. Um, <laughs> uh. Nate, so rapid, we're going to rapid fire. Um, speaking of Vegas, because I just talked about them, uh, Nate Schmidt gets 20 games for PED use. Um, however, it, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit shady because uh, according to uh, both Vegas and Nate Schmidt himself, um, it seems like it was kind of like a false positive, or there was only trace amounts of. Uh, steroids here. I'm going to read a statement from Nate Schmidt, or just the first paragraph. Um, <clears throat> I'm extremely disappointed to learn that I have been suspended for a violation of the NHL NHLPA Performance Enhancing Substance Program. The fact that I'm issuing this statement is surreal to me, as I have only used supplements provided by my NHL doc team, and I have always been extremely careful about what I put into my body. Throughout my playing career, I have been tested numerous times, including twice last season, and I have never before tested positive. It was utterly shocking to be informed that I tested positive for a microscopic amount of tainted substance. Not only did I not intentionally take a banned substance, I could not have received any performance enhancement benefit from the trace amounts that inadvertently got into my system at, at, at a level that was far too small to have any effect. The low amount was consistent with the environmental contamination that I could not possibly have prevented. 
one of the experts in environmental contamination who testified on my behalf at the appeal hearing, described the amount of substance found in my system, seven billionth of a milligram per milliliter, as the equivalent of a pinch salt in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Um, Another expert analyzed the sample of my hair, Included, there was no evidence of intentional use. So, um, it appeared, I mean, I I could go on and read his entire statement, but the gist is, is that it's kind of crazy that if there is, like, such a small amount of, like, like, trace amounts of HGH in the system, it seems kind of crazy to suspend him 20 games for that, um, Although he was, he, it looks like he did appeal, and it looks like it didn't go through, which is even crazier. Um, I know, like, it, it was an inevitable, considering that other sports, you know, always have, has, like, even bigger issues with performance-enhancing drugs. So it's not even, like, surprising that um, if players do take HGH to help their performance in hockey, but at the same time, it's like, um, it seems, like, crazy to me that, like, I don't think, like, just being, like, muscular or having strength makes you that much better, um, in hockey, but that's despite, besides the point, um, it seems like just even, like, if, if what Nate Schmidt and Vegas, who had a similar uh, statement, are, t- are telling the truth, it's like they're not, um, like, NHL, that's just crazy to me that you're suspending him 20 games for something that he unintentionally uh, happened to him. Um, it's just, that seems crazy to me. It's like also like hits to the head are two games or even one game at, at, mo- at least. And like, you know, he gets 20 games for just having a little bit of HGH in his system. Um, seems ridiculous to me. Um, well, to, to be perfectly honest, I was just looking at some of the players' reactions. Uh, um, Schmidt's agent, Matt Keeter, um, also reacted to this, uh, talking about his character. And he says in his 30 years of working in NHL dealt with uh, he wouldn't compromise that character to take PEDs and then TJ Oshi goes on to say that knowing Schmitty and in quotations knowing Schmitty and the type of person he is I can only think that he got the worst run of bad luck you could ever imagine that's the nightmare of trying to be healthy and take supplements is something gets tainted in a warehouse that no one would ha- ever have any idea how it happened so so there's that quote and then Bill Daly um, who is actually employed by the NHL, says, I think it's the nature of any performance-enhancing drug policy. I don't view Nate's reaction to this or the club's reaction to this to be far different than other reactions you see from other athletes in other sports. It's just the nature of the beast. I think it's an unfortunate incident. Nate's a good guy. He's a great player. I wish it didn't happen as much as he does. But at the end of the day, like... It's just like, okay, a trace evidence, like, that minute, doesn't matter. You get 20 games right off the bat. Right. And, 
then you look at domestic violence cases, like uh, there was a case with Semyon Varlamov. I don't think he really got much of, we all know the Voinov thing. The NHL had to do something about the Voinov situation, let's be perfectly honest there. But the the fact that it really But Voinov may be reinstated soon, so so there's that. Yeah, yeah, of maybe reinstated. It sounds like a stretch, but anyways. Um, But the, the fact that this rarely happens in hockey more so in baseball and football, is probably why this is being talked about so much. There's $482,000 of his hard-earned money and 20 games in a season over a trace amount. Yeah. No evidence of intentional use. That's still enough to get you 20 games. Like, all of the other things that uh, the NHL, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, okay, well, we have to take a look at the evidence, you know, we'll make our own ruling. And the ruling in this case is so succinct and just right off the bat, no questions asked, 20 games, automatic, boom, done. And in other more serious cases, it's not even 20 games. Like, probably the biggest suspension that i've seen was rafi torres like for actual for actual intent to hurt or to break the rules the biggest suspension that i saw was 41 games to rafi torres and that happened after numerous incidents prior this is a one-time thing this is a max of 60 random tests per offseason apparently and they, they weren't even looking for him. They just happened to catch him. And he gets 20 games. Right. It's it's. I think that's what people are pissed off about. Right. Yeah, I think, I think that's the crazy part to it, too. It's just, like, I don't know. It, it, it seems like there's a double standard, too. Um, so, I don't know. The... The other th- aspect to think about here is that Shea Theodore is still an RFA yet, um, <laughs> uh, and he has yet to be signed yet. Um, so there, there is a possibility that Vegas could start the season without two of their best defensemen um, in the lineup. And now there's also going to be the talk of like, well, Vegas's season is tainted because of because of this, even though. Uh, we all know that he uh, it's it's trace amounts, um, but yeah, I find I find it funny that like uh, in Nate Schmidt's statement that they said like it's only like like it's like just a grain of salt it would be like a grain of salt in a swimming pool, um, which is just if you picture that it's just like that's just how small um, a dose it was in. Um, so I don't know. I, I I I tend to believe Schmidt here, um, but there is a chance that the NHL like this is just his excuse. Um, and, but like the same thing that Vegas was purely on Nate Schmidt's side, that makes it seem like okay, maybe this is more legit. Because if because if Schmidt like if the team didn't believe in Schmidt, I I don't think. Um, I don't think people would take this as seriously. So kudos on and, and Vegas for backing former there. Former teammates, retired teammates were also chiming in. Steven Alexi was 
was uh, chiming in on Twitter. Uh, yep. TJ Oshie, we mentioned him. Kuznetsov also chimed in as well. Um, of course, Schmidt played in Washington before, so right. that's that's why we mentioned Oshie and Kuznetsov there. Um, but the, the, the one thing that Nate Schmidt doesn't like is the fact that this might brand him as a cheater. For right. that, I don't think he should be called a cheater. But when you get suspended 20 games for a performance, are going to assume is, oh, he cheated. You know, right. when they don't have any information of it whatsoever, they're going to assume that you did something bad. Yep. And, you know, if the NHL is just going to sit there and say, oh, well, the rules are the rules, this is where the NHLPA needs to step in, uh, make some noise and say, hey, change the rules. Because if, if people are going to be suspended 20 games over this, if you don't think it can't happen again, it will happen again. Right. It's already happened. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I am more interested just on in the hockey aspect of, like, how is Vegas going to come back from this? Um, like, you know, like, I guess, given my agree-to-disagree take, um, I, I guess the, they're, they're going to start off slow, but it's, it may, uh, uh, but, like, then again, like, last season, Vegas is on their fourth goaltender, um, by November, so they're yeah. and they were still like one, the hottest team in the league. So it's it's definitely like I feel like this team could be resilient. Still, um, I guess I was looking at this. The twenty game mark for Vegas is like in November. So you're basically yeah November November eighteenth against Edmonton. I believe is yeah. when Nate Schmidt is eligible to return. So so that's like. You know, that's a month and a half. That's not too bad um, to have him back. It's not like, you know, like, you know, Shea Weber, where Shea Weber will be back in December, if that. So, um, so from that regard, it's like, all right, I guess I can understand it. The interesting thing with Nate Schmidt, you mentioned how big he is to um, the Vegas Golden Knights. He actually was their average time on ice leader per game amongst Vegas defenders. Um, what I think this could also do is maybe engage contract negotiations with Shea Theodore. Maybe yeah. this allows them to up the urgency to finally get Shea Theodore to uh, a new contract, even if it's a bridge contract, at least sign the guy. Yep. Or maybe this also heats up those Eric Carlson talks, and I remain optimistic to this day that Vegas probably has the most to offer out of any NHL team for Eric Carlson. Yeah. So uh, maybe this, maybe this Eric Carlson to Vegas thing happens following the suspension, but we'll see. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I I find this, the the Shea Theodore talk is going to be interesting now because I feel like the urgency to sign him is even greater now just because they know that they won't have Schmidt um, for the first 20 games. Um, but I don't know. It, it could, it will be interesting. Uh, actually that is a good just segue. Taking, uh, I'm just taking a look at some of the schedule, uh, the schedules that they have. Um, Minnesota, Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, Anaheim, Tampa Bay, Nashville, St. Louis, Toronto, um, Boston are the opponents they're going to be going up against. Uh, like, I would say top 
10 top 15 NHL teams uh, that pop into my mind. Those are the opponents they're going to have to deal with while Nate Schmidt is out. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'd say a good, I'd say probably like half of their games um, while Schmidt is out is probably going to be against some serious NHL competition. So it's, eh, I, I don't think it's, it, it, it could be, it could be bad. It could, it, it could not be so bad, but uh, I think if they're able to get through this, um, you know, be slightly above 500 without Nate Schmidt, I think this team will be fine. But like yeah. you said, you know, they could come back down to earth. It all depends. Right. Depends on who they really are. True. Um, yeah, we'll see. Actually, that that is a good, uh, the, the Shea Theodore talk is, a good segue for Noah Hannafin. We were going to talk about Blake Wheeler, but I think I'll I'll talk about uh, uh, Noah Hannafin first. He re, he re, he was a uh, he resigned um, with the Calgary Flames, um, and he got uh, it was uh, hold on let me I had it here for a second. Oh, six years, four point nine five million annual average value. Um, he had, I think he had 30 goals last, not 30 points last year. Um, but which is, which is okay. I I feel like in that sense, um, he does have, oh, he has 30, he had 32 points last year, um, in 79 games. I feel like that is a little bit of an overpayment if you put it into that perspective, but then at the same time, he was a top 10 pick in 2015. He, I, I remember watching him play at BC. He was very, very good. He even, like, I remember watching the uh, Beanpot when uh, he would face uh, Jack Eichel's Boston University team. And I felt like Hannafin outplayed Eichel in that game. So the... You know, and it also you have to take into account the defensemen develop a lot, like a little bit later than forwards do. So you have to take that into account, um, and the factor that he's also going to be playing for Bill Peters again in Calgary. So, um, so it seems like he likes Bill Peters, maybe, um, but it's. It's going to, or Bill Peters likes Hannafin. <laughs> um, so, it, and, and without Dougie in the system, Hannafin will probably be the guy there when uh, Giordano leaves or, you know, retires. So, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like this. I kind of like this trade signing, although at the moment, I don't think he's worth the contract. So we'll talk about whether he's worth a contract or not from my end in a second. But I just wanted to give you an interesting quote from GM Brad for living. We're talking about a 21-year-old guy who has played three years in the NHL. I don't buy into that. Oh, blue gum at the same time. To me, he's just scratching the surface. He's a pup. We think there's considerable upside here. And then you look at the individual. He has the character characteristics you want in your organization that you want to invest in <laughs> most guys his age learning to walk and chew gum at the same time man that is one heck of a one-liner um yep. and 
I, frankly, true, because when, when I walk, like, I chew gum as well. I, I don't really chew gum when I walk, and I'm 25, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess I guess Brad for Living is on to something here. Um, but if you look at this guy's cap hit, it's amongst left-hand defensemen, it's the 26th highest, just above Mark Mathot. Um for a guy got 10 goals and 32 points in his third year, that's that's not bad. 20 points in the previous two is also good. Slowly improving his game, um, and I think we both agree that he hasn't reached his full potential yet. Like, he's only 21. Right. But what I find interesting is the type of message we're getting from Brad for living. Uh, for this Hannafin signing, I think it's similar to the one he delivered when he signed Elias Lindholm to a six-year extension earlier in the offseason. Uh, uh, Elias Lindholm was going to pop, and the players sounded very confident in him following the signing as well. With the kind of the same living feels that Noah can do so much more for this team, I believe that as well. Um, Noah feels like the cheer is going to be huge for him, so... Um, I'm, I'm interested, guys like Elias Lindholm, guys like Noah Hannafin can do in Calgary in their first year because they confident them up. And when you have, like I said uh, in my breakdown, the Lindholm in a player, sometimes paying them that kind of money is is worth a gamble. Um, but let's let's talk about the money. He's making more than Calvin DeHaan. He's making more money right now than Roman Yossi and John Klingberg, making a bit more than Cody Cece. Um, and Cody Cece, I don't know how he got that arbitration ruling to begin with, but uh, again, we've already beaten that horse already. But let's look at some cap comparables to this extension. Um, Hannafin's getting close to Morgan Riley type of money. We're talking about a Leafs defender that posted 30-plus points in his third season. In his fourth season... He posted just 27, but then he posted 52 points this past year. In each and every single year that Riley has played in, much like Noah Hannafin, both players have been minus players in every year that they've played in. But Morgan Riley's game is going up. There's a lot of upside to his game. So I don't think Morgan Riley and Noah Hannafin are that much different. And... When I put Noah Hannafin's contract up against Danny DeKaiser's, who's uh, who, by the way, has played 142 more games than Hannafin and just has 15 more points than Noah Hannafin. So if I compare Hannafin's contract to DeKaiser's contract, I'd happily pay Noah Hannafin just under $5 million a year over a guy like Danny DeKaiser. So uh, um, I, I guess, you know, at 21 years old, Paying a defenseman that kind of money uh, is a bit of a gamble. As bad as you think it is, or some people think it is. Yeah, it is a little bit of a gamble. I don't know. I guess it's it's just. Uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I think it's more just risky, just considering that he has thirty points uh, for a defenseman um, last season, which is. Which is decent, but I don't think that's worth six million um, per year. But as we just mentioned, he has a ton of potential, a ton of upside. So I could see it working out if he can uh, get there. 
but that is an if. So that's he, well, he, and he's he's around the he's around the same amount of point production as Jacob Truba, and Truba is getting paid a bit more than him. So yeah, I guess, but but like you can't. Yeah, all right, I guess that's true. But it's it's still it's just t- tough to like say like he should be paid that amount. But it's like the the Tom Wilson contract. Like you're paying, hoping that he'll be that guy when you're not when you're not necessarily sure if he will be that guy. So that, Beauty's in the high vault of the beholder, Brett. Like if a team thinks if a team thinks that X that player X is worth X amount of money, they'll give him that money. No, I'm not if saying they think he's worth it. Yeah, I, I I guess I'm just saying I don't think he's worth it. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I guess we disagree again. <laughs> we disagree again. But like, I, I do want to reiterate or preface it by saying that I don't think he's worth it right now. But I don't think he's worth it yet. Okay. I, I do think he could be worth it in a couple of years down the line. But that, that I'm just saying it's a risky move just because of that. Because there's a potential that he couldn't be. He's just a 30-point guy, 30-point uh, defenseman. Um, that, that is possible. Um, to be fair, though, to be fair, though, he did play on Carolina. True, but to be fair. yeah, I guess that's true. But he also has he's has the same coach this year. Um, so, yeah, also uh, true. Blake Wheeler, speaking of contracts, I think we'll both agree on this one. Blake Wheeler re-signs in Winnipeg for five years, $8.25 million. Uh, Blake Wheeler is one of the best players in the game. Um, I, I know someone who thinks that Blake Wheeler is the best American player currently, um, even better than Patrick Kane or Austin Matthews. Um, and he's a Leafs fan, too. Uh, but... Uh, uh, so, so I do think he's worth it. He was, I think he was in the top 20 in points, maybe a top 10. Um, and he was one of the reasons why the, the Jets are so good in terms of depth stuff. Um, yeah, he is a little old and they may, you know, they do have to sign, you know, Shifley, Line A, and uh, Connor, um, and a couple of other guys um, in but that's like you know. Well, that's actually, Shifley, they they still got a couple more years with Shifley. Okay. Um, but I think Tyler Myers is due for a new contract soon, though. Um. Yeah. Well, I was thinking more of their like top end talent. Oh wait, never mind. I guess Ellers, Shifley, and Little all are all long term. Yeah. Um, Line, Connor, and uh are going to be RFAs next year, but then Jack Roslovic is going to be an RFA that next year after that. Uh, Truba is going to be an RFA next year too. So, yeah, okay, so, but they have a couple of RFAs next year to deal with, but they're RFAs. Uh, but, so I imagine Patrick Liney is going to want to be paid a bit, <laughs> a lot more, um, and uh, so, so that's going to be an interesting thing situation to see, uh, considering. That, but they also have a projected cap space of ten million. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I feel like they can make stuff work. Um, 
and apparently they have 27 million in cap space next year to work with. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I like this move because uh, Blake Wheeler is Blake Wheeler is fun to watch, um, and I think he is worth that much. Um, Eight million is a lot, but it's still <laughs> for a 32 year old. But it's I th- I think he's worth, he's earned it. Well, uh, we're, I'm, I'm going to tackle the Winnipeg Jets cap situation more in the season preview, so I'm, I'm not going to focus on more of the team cap uh, right now. What I will focus on is the mixed reaction online, because on Twitter, believe it or not, there are some people that don't like this deal. Um, more so what could happen, not what has already happened with Blake Wheeler. Like, when you look at this guy's track record, let's, let's face facts. It speaks for itself. Right. He got his first 60-point campaign seven years ago, I think. He's recorded at least, at least 60 points in five of six seasons since then. And the one season where he didn't reach the 60-point plateau, that was in the lockout shortened campaign, and he got 41 points in 48 games, which is close to a point per game. Um, in each of the past three years, 70 or more points. And long play assists, first in the league. 530 pass completions with the extra man, just shy of the top 30. Slot pass completions, he had 95 of those with the extra man, second most by any player in the league last year. A big reason why the Jets had a top five power play. Um, And when you look at the ninth most points in the NHL since 2012-2013, there's Blake Wheeler with 414 and 454 games. So if you're questioning whether or not this guy is worth $8 million a year, he's proven that he already is worth that much money. Probably a lot of uh, uh, probably a big reason why a lot of people are debating this is just because he's so underrated and we've said it many times on this show before that Blake Wheeler is one of the most underrated players in our game right now. Yep. Like He led the NHL in assists last year. He's been third in assists, fifth in points over the past three years. And he's coming off the best, the 15th best season by a 31 year old in league history. The 13th best all time was Malkin when he got 98 points the same year that Blake Wheeler surpassed 90. So if you're content with, you know, everything that Malkin does, why can't you be content with everything that Blake Wheeler has done uh, over the past couple of years? It's because. When his new deal kicks in, he's going to be 32 or 33 years old in the prime of his career. You don't know what kind of Blake Wheeler you're getting at age 32 or age 33. Um, And again, Kyle Connor, who got um, 30 goals or certainly close to it last year, uh, he's going to be an RFA next year as well. This could eliminate the hope of a Jacob Truba contract extension, especially with Josh Morsey is still in need of a new contract right now. As I mentioned, Tyler Myers will need a new one soon. And the combo of Wheeler and Shifley is going to be earning $11.73 million next year. It's going to leapfrog to $14.3 million the following five seasons uh, after next year. So I can understand the hint of dissatisfaction from some of the uh, people on Twitter or Facebook or Reddit or whatever. 
Um, I, I, I can fully understand why a lot of people would be cautious to be paying a 31, 32 year old Blake Wheeler, this kind of money. But I do think the good outweighs the bad in the end, because if you look at John Tavares, this guy got $10 million per year with Toronto. He's going to continue to get that much money until he's 36 years old. Blake Wheeler earned more points last year than Tavares ever did. So you can argue if John Tavares has been the more consistent player than Blake Wheeler, but every single year it seems Blake Wheeler is taking his game to new heights. His cap hit percentage is still lower than Carey Price and Jamie Benn and Steven Stamkos, so it's not as bad as you might think it is. He brings a lot of silent lead. There are a lot of times they're doing good, and he's like, okay, we haven't won anything yet. Chillax. He just just provides a calming presence that I think a young, talented team like the Jets needs. Um, And I think probably the biggest pet peeve for a lot of people is the fact that this guy has a no-move clause for all five years. They can't waive him. They can't really trade him, although he does have a modified no-trade in years four and five. But is that really a bad thing if you're Winnipeg? Because this guy is basically telling you, hey, I'm here for the long haul. I don't want to be traded. I don't want to be moved. I want to stay here. I want to help this team win. I'm ready to go. The Jets are a win-now team. If you're with them, come on board. If you're not, get ready for some pain. Because this team is ready to win now. Their fans have waited this for a long time. And I'm glad the two sides were able to come to an agreement because I think signing Blake Wheeler is a very good thing for the Jets. Yep. Uh, we're in agreement. Um, you... <laughs> You you explained it better than I could, so uh, there's that. But yeah, no, I I agree. I think it. I there is concern that he's 32. That's the only thing I'm worried about. But um, at the same time, he is an elite. He's he's been an elite level player for a long time now. Uh, so it's like it's he's worth it in, in that regard. And he's and, also and you think and you also think of what he could have gotten on the open market. Yeah, that too. He, yeah. If he hit free agency, I think he could have gotten a lot more than eight point two five million. Yeah, that's true, true. And he's he's also the captain, so it's like that also brings a like that adds an extra value to it, like the leadership role. So I think, yeah, I think in that in that regard, it's um, it it makes sense. And the Jets too, because like 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 uh, like they did with Paul Stassi, you know, the knock on Winnipeg was like, oh, no one wants to play there, right? Well. Their captain just said otherwise. Their captain is signed on for five years with a yeah. no-move clause. Yeah, that's a good point. I was actually, when we were talking about Panarin, I was thinking, like, Winnipeg used to be that, like, that city where no no player wants to wants to play for, but now that they have a pretty good team, it seems like everyone wants to go there now, or, or should want maybe to go there. Patrick Lainey, maybe Patrick Lainey's comments about the Wi-Fi uh, inspired them to improve it, and maybe that's why. Well, no, it was, it was the Sharks. The Sharks commented about Wi-Fi. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, if you wanted to go more in-depth about Winnipeg, they got all their good players through the draft. Line A, exactly. Connor, Ellers, um, Hellebuck, uh, Truba, even. Uh, I mean, the only 
guys they really traded for was uh, was Bufflin and Wheeler, but those are trades. You know, those those players didn't even yeah. have a choice when they came. And, and not only that, though, yeah. that trade happened while they were in Atlanta. Right. And, yeah, that's a good point, too. And those, um, and but, like, the, the bigger point is, is they have hardly had any free agent signings. It's just purely through the draft and purely through trades. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, that's, but, like, I feel like that's going to change soon the more Winnipeg wins. Um Okay, so uh, last last thing to talk about um, is uh, Jalen Ramsey, who's, uh, well, I guess uh, football is about to start in 10 minutes now, but uh, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, said um, he has this reputation of being like a trash talker. Um, if you, He's a soundbite machine, okay? Exactly. That's what he is. Yeah, he uh, he he said that Gronkowski is overrated. He called a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, he he gave his opinions on a lot of quarterbacks. He's very polarizing, um, or opinionated, I should say. Um, anyways, if he if he said Gronk parties too much, I buy that. No, no, he said here says it here that um. He took verbal shots at Robin Gronkowski. I remember. I remember reading that he thought that he was. Um, he was. He thought that Gronk was overrated. Um, okay. But I, I disagree. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Gronkowski is like the best player in the game when healthy. When healthy. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Jalen Ramsey said that he could probably, quote unquote, probably. Crack an NHL roster in six months. Um, in, in six months, um, if given the proper training, um, and then a lot of NHL took exception to this, which makes sense. Um, Jack Eichel says, "I think it's insulting to our league. Um, for us all as players, we're dedicated our lives to be playing in the NHL. To think after six months you could come play arguably one of the hardest sports in the world." I mean, I think it's ridiculous he would say that. It's ignorant. Tarasenko says there's no chance he can play in the NHL in six months. It's impossible. Him saying that it declasses our sport. Uh, Dylan Larkin says he's he said he's never skated before, so there's no chance. Seth Jones says you can't even learn to skate in six months. Uh, John Tavares said, well, I'd tell him good luck then. Which is kind of funny. And then my favorite quote here is Evander Kane says, I think I'd be about a thousand percent times better at his position in six months than he'll be at mine. Um, and um, and then uh, Kreider says, Chris Kreider says, it's so funny to me. I think he's an unbelievable athlete, but skating is a skill set onto itself, just like running is, just like swimming is. Think of someone who has never swam before. If you've never been in the water before, no matter how good of an athlete you are, chances are you're not going to be an Olympic caliber swimmer in six months. Um, so I, I think this is going to be one of those things that we're both going to agree on. But I do have, so I, I, I do agree with all these NHL players that, yeah, it, like I, I, I hardly know how to skate, um, so I've given up my dreams of playing hockey. 
uh, a long time ago. Um, I can barely skate. That's why I play goalie. Yeah. So, so to think that you could like skate like that, even if you are as athletic as Jalen Ramsey is, it's it, it seems in crazy that he could play hockey like that. Um, however, I do think it's a little odd that, that like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know me, how I hate when like this whole like culture of like guys who like thinking like, Oh, hockey's so tough and whatnot, which it is tough, but just like, you know, like downplay it, I guess. It's just like, I don't know. It, it it just reads to me like they're like they're making it seem like it's the hardest thing in the world when it's just a sport. You know, it's it's not like I don't know. So like in in that regard, I feel like it's it seems a little bit weird to be upset about this just this comment. Like this is just a cornerback. This is like like that's the he's like the stereotypical cornerback who trash talks. To think that you got so many people to talk, to say, like, well, I think he's an idiot. It's just, like, why are you so, why are these NHL players so offended by uh, by this comment to to say that? Because it's, like, he's just, a, he's just an idiot cornerback. <laughs> he's just trash-talking. Um, I do like how this is, this is now covered by ESPN, of all things. So I do like that it, it did give attention. This story did give attention to the NHL in, in that regard. But, um, but it is, but Jalen Ramsey is, a uh, is crazy to think that he could take any, uh, hockey in six months. Although I do kind of want to see it now just to, just so that he can uh, shut up. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I think with this case is, See, the more and more I think about it, I I think, you know, it's definitely good publicity for the NHL. But you look at the NHL, the NHL's never going to outcompete at the NFL when it comes to ratings. It never right. will. Well, in America, it's, yes. Football is just ingrained into Americans' DNA. Yeah, it, yeah it, no, I know. Just like baseball is, um, they're always going to watch the no-fun league, as I like to call it. Um, no matter which team is good, no matter which team is bad, there's good football. It's good football. It's it's worth watching. Uh, and and even the anthem protests haven't really s- slowed it down. Like I hear everyone talking about, oh NFL, yeah. NFL, NFL. You know, it, right. they, that's all they talk about in the U.S. That's yeah. all you see on ESPN is you know football. Like I I watch um, U.S. Um, stations like First Take or whatever. Uh, on ESPN, like I've watched them during the off season where NHL and the NBA are happening. I rarely hear anything about hockey. Yeah. If there's a big NFL off season story report, they'll beat that thing to death, no problem. Yeah, like the the McCoy uh, uh, investigation a couple of years ago, Lashawn McCoy of uh, the Buffalo Bills, right? Um, which I guess hasn't gone away, but anyways, they they were talking about that nonstop. I remember. Well, I, I, well so, I, yeah, no, was, to that it point. It wasn't even football. It was January, February. Yeah, I remember. I talked about this uh, back when it happened, but like that Mike Hoffman, Eric Carlson story. If that happened, yeah. if that was a basketball story, if that was a football, like you know, story, like if this a similar thing happened in a football, you know, between football players or between baseball stories. We'd still be hearing about it right now. 
Uh, <laughs> and now, like, and uh, ESPN hardly covered it at all, even though, like, it's just, like, uh, the best player. It was just a, such a juicy story there. So, yes, I, I agree that, like, hockey's never going... I've given up the hope that hockey's going to be the, the the sport that everyone talks about in America. However, I will I, I do love football, um, and I will say that of the five big sports in the world, so we're talking hockey, football, baseball, basketball, and soccer. Yes, I'm including soccer. Um, I think... Hockey and football are the most similar in terms of physicality. Um, but in terms of strategy, I think hockey and soccer are the most alike. So I could see, for, from that regard, I think it's like, if Jalen Ramsey could like, like learn how to skate in six months, then I, like, I feel like he has the right intensity and the right physicality to be able to actually be a, a good hockey player. Like, that's the same with, like, Gronkowski would be your, like, ideal um, hockey player, because he's just tough. He would just hit everyone, and he'd be, like, a Bufflin-type player um, if, if Gronk was, was playing hockey. So I almost kind of want to see if Jalen Ramsey could do it. Um, I just... I, I, I just didn't like the players' reactions of being like, how dare you think that this is, this is just like just like a weird comment to even say from Jalen Ramsey in the beginning places. He's just having fun, you know? He's not like, he's not like saying, he's not disrespecting hockey players. He's just, he, he just, that he's just overly confident. So, so that's, that's what, uh, that's what makes it seem a little crazy. I think it was just um, yeah. the fact that it was blindsided, like it was unprovoked, like no NHL right. player like really trashed on him. Mean, he just went out and he's Yeah. So so I mean I, I don't wanna I like I, I don't Yeah. You I, go. I, I don't blame the NHL players for acting the way they did because like they like sitting standing on your own two feet with skates is an entirely different thing than just, you know, hitting in football. Yeah. Like there's, 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 there's more than just staying on your own two feet with hockey. You know, you have to be a good skater. Yeah. And in and playing like with the pros, like we're talking the best of the best. We're not talking, you know, just playing regular hockey in six months. We're talking about playing the best league in the world. The okay. best players like Gretzky McDavid didn't become great over that. Yes. Years of practice to get this good. Yeah. That. Okay. So, uh, Yes, no, no, I so agree. My, so my, my, my question to, uh, to Jalen Ramsey is, okay, you want to make the NHL? What kind of player do you want to be? <laughs> because this game is being based more and more on speed and skill. Right. It's not hitting. It's not intercepting footballs. You can't use your hands besides stick handling. You can't handle pucks with your hands. Right. I guess takeaways maybe mean something, but and the average hockey fan wants to see offense. So yeah. my message to Ramsey is, okay, if you're serious, take this challenge. Yeah. Take six months away from the game you love. Show us you've got what it takes to make the NHL. And if you're not going to take it seriously, please shut up. <laughs> okay, on that regard, I do agree. I do want to. I do want to say that I don't. I'm mean, like I don't think he could make the NHL in six months. Uh, but I do think there is like a lot of similarities from football to hockey that he could apply to, like, 
I mean, I know that, like, running is, like, you know, speed. Um, it's different from the ice to, like, from skating versus actually running on your with your two feet. Um, but, I don't know, I, I guess it could and be. like, cornerbacks, like they talk about Richard Sherman, you've got yeah. to be fast, you know, to intercept passes. So, definitely, definitely speed, you know, would be a good thing. But, like, right. this... Does he have the skill on top of that? I don't know. But it, but but then you have to translate like speed running speed versus skating speed, and that's where I'm not exactly. sure. But like I I am actually like he did intrigue my interest. Like now I'm kind of curious if he could even play hockey. Uh, I'm I'm gonna excuse that he could make it to the NHL because I don't think he could. But I I do think that he could be a pretty good hockey player in six months. I don't, if if he if he I don't think he can make the, the NHL though. Put in if he put in the hours of training and he put in the hard work and and yep. you know like he he set a reasonable time frame. You know I'd love to see that. You know <laughs> if, I would be, I'd be more impressed than upset. Right. If he actually tried. Yeah. But if he's just gonna sit there and smack talk and not do anything and just sit on his comfy couch or whatever and, and tweet that out, like, come on, man. Yeah. That's that's what I don't like is when when people are all talking no action and they say, oh, it's so easy. Right. If you think it's so easy, then try it. All right. We're about to be uh, two hours and the, the Patriots <laughs> game is about to start. Um, okay. So, uh, okay. I think we've said about everything we want we to did, say. Yeah. Social media. Exactly. So social media. Uh, check us out on Lace Em Up podcast. Um, and then we have, um, on Twitter, uh, where we post usually pretty regularly. Um, we also, uh, have a Facebook page where we just post up our episodes, um, up, uh, we're also on SoundCloud, um, and on iTunes, I checked actually that we're, we're, we're back on iTunes, um, same, same place, uh, that we were beforehand, um, Yep, I think that's about it. I think we might have an episode this week um, with a guest. Uh, We're just working out the details, um, so look forward to that in the middle of the week. But uh, until then, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 137 or sooner on the Lace Up Podcast.